Welcome to the Modern Biopharma Podcast. The world of today's medicines is big, complex, and constantly changing. Our goal is to give you insight into the people that are manufacturing the medicines people need every day, whether it is the people taking care of these facilities, or those building them, or those maintaining the quality and integrity of every dose that is delivered to the patient. We interview the people that are making it happen and give you a chance to get to know them while we're at it. Thanks for saying hi. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Modern Biopharma Podcast. We're excited to have you here today, and we're excited to have our guest, Rick Piero from Superior Controls. Rick and I met uh, a number of years ago. He's very involved in the ISPE Boston area chapter and been very involved with the product show for many years, long before I was around, but we're excited to have him on here today. How are you doing today, Rick? Right. Thank you. Yep. The, the, um, I'm also president of Superior Controls. I was a co-founder of it 27 years ago or so, and uh, I have the good fortune of living up here with my wife and three children uh, here in Hampton Falls. And uh, coincidentally, uh, Jesse, you many years ago were the soccer coach for my daughter, Sophia. The, uh, uh, she had a wonderful experience um, playing soccer. Um, the uh, uh, my, my background, just to give you a quick overview, is um, I, I studied uh, uh, chemistry and biology for my bachelor's and uh, received my master's in chemical engineering and um, jumped into the automation field, you know, many, many years ago um, and thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, in 93, myself and Mark LaRoche started Superior Controls, providing automation services uh, to, to the industry. Um, at that time to all industries, you know, uh, uh, discrete manufacturing process um, and so on. So do you do more than just the biopharma industry right now? Or are you pretty well 100% dedicated to biopharm? Um, we do do more than the biopharm. We do food and beverage, chemicals, um, and some discrete manufacturing. But I, I'd say over 90% of our business is focused on uh, biotech bio and pharmaceutical. Uh, it, we made that decision about 20 years ago. Um, and it was a very good decision to just focus on biotech. Um, we, we now, um, we've expanded in Boston. Um, we have an office up in Seabrook, and then we expanded out to San Francisco and out to Albany, New York. So we have all, uh, offices in all of those locations. So your organization is at a number of sites, um, but tell me a little bit more about your company. You guys are in automation, so you do manufacturing, services, um, personnel at sites. What, what kind of things are you guys working on? Sure, sure. We have about 135 engineers, uh, mostly chemical engineers, electrical engineers, and and um, we're, we're focused in providing custom automation systems for manufacturing. So when a, um, a company comes out with a new product, uh, might be a monoclonal okay. antibody, um, we'll, we'll, we'll design a system with PLCs or a DCS system um, and the proper programming and validation to install and, um, and manufacture that particular product. Uh, but it's all custom software. So I, I would characterize it more as a service industry. Okay, great. So you've been up here in the New England region uh, working for 20 years, more than 20 years in the biopharma industry. Share with us some of the changes that you've seen uh, since you've been in the business, whether it's um, to the industry in general or more specifically to your business uh, of automation there at Superior Controls. Oh, sure. There's been a lot of changes in the past 20 years. 
I mean, 20 years ago, we didn't have um, single use components. People were not using plastics or disposable systems. That's a major change that has occurred over the past 10 to 15 years. Um, and now almost every biotech company is, is using single use components. These are, these are plastic bags, plastic systems with just built in disposable pH sensors, temperature sensors, pressure sensors, and so on. Uh, CO2 and O2 sensors um, that they use to grow um, their, 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 the cells and, um, or transport the cells. And when they're finished, they just take these and throw them out and burn them, you know, they dispose of them and put in new aseptically cleaned, uh, ready to go um, plastic uh, systems for the next product. Uh, so that it reduces cross-contamination. Um, it it uh, eliminates CIP clean in place, uh, steam in place and quite a few um, procedures that were required with the old way of manufacturing. Um, so that, that's a major change. Um, we didn't, uh, when we first started way back in the early days, we didn't even have PCs. You know, every, everything was done with hardwired switches and sensors and potentiometers, uh, uh, wired, hardwired into control panels uh, with all types of uh, lights and push buttons for displays. Um, so early on, the, the PC, the advent of the PC, and you know, touchscreen operator interfaces allowed us much more information um, and, and changed everything dramatically. Um, the the uh, um, there, so there's been a lot of changes, especially in the past few years. Recently, um, we've seen a lot of our customers putting their data, GMP data, this is critical manufacturing data, that they're obligated to save for 10 years. Um, or so, and if they lose it, they, they they can't sell their product. It's very important data, but they're storing it in the cloud. So this is a, a major change. I never thought I'd see, you know, five years ago. Um, they're storing it up in the cloud, making it accessible to all their researchers and production people, and um, uh, it's much easier for them. So they've they've deemed the cloud to be more reliable um, and and safer than you know servers at their facility and backup servers that they used to use for this type of data. Um, so that, that's a major change that's 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 going on uh, as well. The um, the control systems are getting much more sophisticated. We're collecting a lot more data than we used to. Electronic batch reports, which um, uh, in the old days, they would look at the data after they manufactured the product and look for any deviations or exceptions, and it, they would spend days reviewing this data by hand. Uh, now we can use automatic reports that um, indicate to the operators that there were no deviations, everything was fine with the manufacturing process, and the product is acceptable. Um, so it's reduced their time uh, and the amount of labor to, to qualify a product as well. Okay, so you've seen a lot of changes over the years, uh, especially in the automation space. Uh, you didn't have computers when you first started, you just had buttons back then, so that, that's a big change. Um, and now uh, we've gone and we're starting to go more and more to storage on the cloud and even, you know, that, that, that is a gigantic change, a, a huge mind shift for, for companies to actually not have their data on site, but actually somewhere else. So that's, that's a very significant one. So something that I'm, I'm really interested in, everybody when they visit a, a customer, they see a lot of different things. You get to visit lots of different types of customers, and many of them you're not you're not confined to one space, like say, uh, you know, uh, an engineer at an owner might be. So, what's something that when you walk in, 
you, you see an area for improvement that maybe a lot of the customers might not see regularly. So say like a lot of bang for your buck, if you will, um, as an automation guy that you, when you visit a customer, you go, oh man, this is a no brainer. This is something that they could make a huge improvement on um, fairly simply. And you know, it's something you like to see happen for that customer. Right. Well, there's an awful lot of um, automation systems out there that were put in 15 years ago, 12 years ago. And what happens inevitably is is these um, both the hardware and the software become obsolete eventually. And um, a lot of times the manufacturer, the, the biotech facility, they don't realize that they're using hardware and or software that is obsolete. It's no longer supported. So. Um, when they purchased it, when they had it installed and got it up and running, you know, it was a, the best thing on the market. And um, but that's changed and the, the market has shifted and it's not even supported. So in the event that they had a problem or had to replace it um, and it's a validated system, typically uh, they have a lot of problems. They'd have to um, be down, typically bring the system down, uh, replace it with a new, more available product and um, hardware and software and um, and revalidate the whole system. So many times we see uh, those issues and um, suggest to the, uh, uh, the biotech facility that we upgrade some of their systems before they have a problem. Um, so that's number one, you know, in terms of um, uh, helping them continuing to run uh, um, without any downtime or minimal downtime. Um, that's 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 common. Um, the, the other thing that's shifted over the past few years, I'd say 10 years especially, is uh, the biotech facilities, they have a smaller engineering staff than they used to. They, they have a, they, uh, managers that typically go out and hire people like us to implement the automation um, uh, of their product. And they often have us have requests that our engineers be on site uh, kind of as an embedded mode for long periods of time to get the system up and running. So probably half our engineers at any given time are working at these facilities on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's not just in automation, it's support, operations, validation, um, to to, um, uh, to support them in action. Um, so full st staff augmentation. Uh, correct, it's uh, staff augmentation, but it's, it's more specifically to the um, uh, automation and we're, we're handling all types of ongoing problems and challenges and and um, as, um, uh, SOPs and corrective actions. Uh, but our people are on site sometimes for years on end. Um, so it's a good experience for our engineers because they might work at, you know, three or four uh, biotech facilities over a, a four or five year period and have many experiences, you know, uh, at, at many different uh, facilities. Um, or uh, they can come back here at Spirit Controls and work on in-house, you know, fixed price, fixed scope projects uh, as well. So we, we have both of those um, opportunities and um, it, it's been great for our customers and very good for our, our employees. Well, I know I see Superior Controls at a lot of facilities I go to. Uh, great reputation. Uh, I see your guys pretty much everywhere I go. So great report there. They, they certainly are. We, we have uh, um, about 40 engineers out in San Francisco. We have about 30 out in uh, Albany, New York. And we have uh, 85 or so here. Um, uh, 
uh, in Seabrook, New Hampshire, covering you know the Boston, Cambridge area, and um, so we we try to hire people not just in those locations, but they're also out at our customer locations, and and we're now part of a, a mar larger company called New Technologies, uh, so um, we have 350 automation engineers altogether at 14 offices across the country, um, so we're able to support other locations as well. Um, and then that's been a big benefit to some of our customers. Um, that's certainly changed. We, we've had engineers until very recently out in um, India, uh, China, Switzerland, Germany, um, uh, doing startups on, on all types of projects in those locations. And with these crazy times currently, um, they, we, we're working on several projects to, to produce both antibodies and eventually vaccines for the coronavirus so this is something new of course and um but there's an awful lot of activity uh, in this area and many of our customers are urgently working on solutions to the coronavirus you know as, as fast as they can right so this is something i wanted to talk to you about uh, real quick so we're both up in new hampshire um we're a little ways away from the boston area where you know, it's kind of a hotbed of one of these uh, of this uh, COVID outbreak. And as of this recording, we're only about a couple weeks in, but we're kind of in a lockdown situation. Um, what what's going on in your world right now? How has your business been affected or how have you guys, uh, you know, jumped to the rescue uh, with all that's going on and, and in the midst of this sort of semi um, can't move situation? Oh, it's 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 amazing that the uh, just yesterday, for example, New Hampshire had a lockdown on uh, employees in New Hampshire. Um, we are our, our group is exempted from that because we're working on critical um, uh, projects and, and processes um, that are in, in many cases are producing antibodies for the coronavirus. So we're exempt from that. Um, However, many of our, our manufacturing plants have asked us to work remotely, you know, from, from the employees' houses. They're able to tie in often through VPN networks into the, um, the control system and, 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 and um, develop new software from their house. So most of our people wow. are working remotely. We do have people that are providing 24-7 ongoing support. We have, you know, one customer, for example, where we're, we have two engineers on every shift, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, and they're on site um, keeping the operations running, um, and that's continuing certainly. Uh, but if we don't absolutely need to go on site, uh, we're we're uh, we're encouraging our employees, of course, not to. The um, uh, there are some cases where we need to be on site to to set up these systems, but but several of our customers, seven or eight of our customers, for example. Are, are currently working on solutions uh, to the coronavirus. Um, so that, that's exciting. And wow. Yeah, as I speak, there are people downstairs, I'm at Superior Controls right now, that are working on uh, developing a new control system for uh, antibodies um, that, that are made specifically for the coronavirus. So yeah, so these are exciting times. So the next question I was gonna ask is, is what's something that you're excited about? And um, before you answer, I, I mean, something that's happening right now that I think is really exciting is just how fast the, all the companies in our industry are moving in response to this COVID pandemic. And 
the pharma industry in general is kind of known as being kind of slow, sluggish, just, uh, you know, can't get out of its way in, in some respects. And there's a lot of reasons for why that that is. But this has been something that's been kind of exciting to watch happen. And, um, you know, even aside from this, just the way they've changed how we make facilities, again, it's really speeding things up in a way uh, that's going to ultimately revolutionize that the industry and get medicines to people faster than they've ever gotten them before. Right. No, it's, 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 uh, it's amazing to see this focus. I, I think we're going to see more biotech manufacturing in this country uh, going forward. Um, uh, it's, it's making people realize that a lot of the um, active APIs, active pharmaceutical ingredients and so on are made in other countries and perhaps that's a risk and a concern. So I think we're going to see more focus in biotech, more growth in biotech in the United States, and uh, and that's 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 great for for us. Um, so I have another question. I'm excited to ask everybody. So if you were to go back ten years and, and be able to talk to yourself ten years ago, uh, what's something that you would tell yourself um, to sort of give yourself an edge or? to give yourself a sort of a view of the future that you think would be really valuable. So, so 10 years ago that, so what's happened in the past few years, it's become so inexpensive to collect data, um, all types of pertinent manufacturing data and additional data that not as important, but because it's so inexpensive to do this now, the, the, um, uh, there's enormous amounts of information and data being collected. And there's a whole new uh, area of focus on data analysis, big data analysis. Um, uh, when I say big, I mean enormous. Uh, this is not just in biotech, but it's in retail. In biotech, it involves DNA and the gene therapy and cell therapy and things of that sort. And um, I think if 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 uh, uh, it's an area that I've started reading a lot more about, um, what I wish I ten years ago knew this was coming in such a big way because it's a fascinating area. And uh, I would encourage you know young people that are interested in engineering and, and um, uh, in biotech to, to look into this area, uh, big data analysis, and um, looking for trends that aren't intuitively obvious. Um, and with, with some of the algorithms and artificial intelligence, there's all types of correlations and trends that, we, that jump out at us that we wouldn't know otherwise. Um, so this is a, a fascinating area uh, that's it's going to change our lives. You know, it's, it's um, uh, um, and it's, it's being applied to all aspects. It's not just biotech. It's it's automated car driving. You know, um, uh, enabling cars to drive driverless. Um, uh, it's 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 massive retail being able to get um, information to particular customers based on what they purchased in the past. Um, the the um, so it's it's exciting with with biotech. You know, they've they've um, they've just a few years ago they finally deciphered the genome, uh, 3.04 billion nucleic acids, uh, which is an amazing feat. And now that's being done commonly um, with individual patients, and we're able to look at the genes of uh, individual patients and know based on that information whether a drug will work or not. Um, so that's a fascinating thing that's happening. And we're seeing a lot more personalized medicines, cell and gene therapy. Well, that's just come out in the past five years. And they're predicting, you know, it could be close to 100 plants per year for the next several years. Uh, yeah. 
even in the Massachusetts area here. Um, so that we're working with quite a few of them, and that's, that's an exciting uh, uh, opportunity as well. You know, that's one I think we're going to hear a lot about here on the podcast is uh, cell and gene therapy. It is, it is the future of a lot of the medicines that people need uh, today. Um, and to your, your point about big data, big data is everywhere, whether we like it or not, it's already there. Um, there, there was something I was actually listening to, uh, the other day and I read up a little bit more about it was this company that sells these thermometers that are connected, um, to the internet of things. And they're actually monitoring the temperatures of people all over the country right now. Um, and they can, they can start to see the effect of, um, people sheltering in place or, or quarantining and how it affects the, 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 the temperatures, the average temperatures as they spike or go down all over the country. They can actually monitor the, the fever of COVID patients as it's spreading. And uh, that's something they're doing right now, watching it and uh, being able to offer that as, as data for those that, that are uh, more on the national response team. No, absolutely. Especially a time like this. We're, we're, I mean, we could see uh, parts of the country opening up and uh, perhaps restaurants and hotels, when you check in, they, they just point a little device at you and check your temperature immediately. And if you're yeah. below a certain threshold, then you're allowed in. And um, who knows how this is going to change our life with this, uh, this virus. Um, yeah. Uh, that's, that's, uh, yeah, absolutely. No doubt we're going to be seeing a lot of changes in the industry, whether it's uh, because of what's going on with the COVID pandemic right now. Or, um, you know, again, outside of this, the, all that's going on with cell and gene therapy and the, the kinds of, of medicines that people are going to start to have access to where it's, you know, it's one shot rather than rather than shots every week for the rest of your life or or um, or some, some amount of times. It's it's a, that's for a long time. It's this enduring um, almost cure for uh, an issue. The difference is the cell and gene therapy, um, a lot of these solutions are not um, continuous injections or pills that someone takes every week. They're one-time solutions that cure the disease for good. Um, what they do is they take your, your cells out of your body, they can change, modify them, modify the DNA inside the cells using a, a vector or virus, uh, um, a, a deactivated virus, uh, just to modify the, the DNA, and those cells are put back into the body, and those cells then continue making the protein that was missing before um, and making it correctly, and they continue multiplying and growing with the person. So for the rest of his life, uh, that person's life, they're making the proteins that might have been missing previously. Um, or um, uh, they can modify the DNA so that it stops or reduces uh, the amount of protein being made, which is too much for the particular protein, can cause other diseases. So things like sickness, certain types of blindness um, uh, can actually be cured with these uh, DNA modifications. So now the question is, if uh, how do you pay for this? It's an enormously expensive. Um, so what some of the companies have done is, is, is um, they've agreed that if it works, they would charge you know maybe a million dollars for that solution. And if it doesn't work, there's no charge. So, so it's a whole new paradigm of charging for uh, these these drugs as well. Yeah, so that's 
it's it's kind of like one big hit of of cost instead of a whole bunch of cost you know over the course of say 10 years or 15 years or, or 20 years of life or whatever um so it, d dealing with that is an interesting one for the insurance world and and whatnot um so all right that's that's about all we have for today but i want to give you one last chance to if you can you know share with um the audience you know just a parting thought what's something that you'd like to share with everybody on here again we're talking to engineers project managers quality folks the guys that we interact with daily uh in the biofarm space so what's something that you would like to share with our audience as a final parting thought right right i i'd um i would put in a plan for ispe the boston chapter that that's um probably the best location to meet other people in the biotech industry, uh, go to the educational programs, learn about what's happening in the industry. Um, they're enormously active, or actually were until two weeks ago. <laughs> so hopefully this is the temporary time that we're down, but typically they have two or three excellent educational programs per month. And um, of course, they're very large uh, product show at Gillette Stadium. I think, uh, I think we had 3,000 people attend that last October. and. Um, uh, but if someone's in the Boston area, that's the place to uh, attend. Um, and likewise, San Francisco, they have the San Francisco ISPE chapter, a very similar point active chapter as well. But these are yeah. these are groups of like-minded people that, that are um, uh, studying the new FDA regulations, talking about how to solve problems, how to speed things up, how to do things more efficiently. And uh, it's an excellent organization, uh, nonprofit educational program. Uh, it, organization well we always appreciate a good plug for the boston area chapter and and not that anybody's counting but this year it was i think a little bit more than 3900 not 3000 so uh, obviously i have a little bit invested in that and that uh, you have a lot of history with the show as well so so you do too but um yeah it was a pretty awesome show this year it's a, it's the largest one day biotech show in north america and uh, so that that's exciting here right here in boston every year Yes, our day at Gillette every year is an exciting one. We always look forward to it, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to it again this year um, as uh, planning is, is underway as usual. Well, anyways, Rick, thank you so much for today. We appreciate your, your time here and all that you give to our community, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you again at other events and other things uh, you know, around town as we uh, are cooped up here at home. So thanks again so much. Thank you very much, Jesse. Thanks again for listening to the Modern Biopharma Podcast. Please reach out if there is someone you'd like us to interview or a topic you'd like us to discuss. We will make it happen. And don't forget to like us on iTunes or subscribe on YouTube. It helps us get the word out. See you next time.